Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, you guys will get one round with me. Anyway, we'll go that way. I am so glad. It is good. Let me, uh, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to start off right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to do this in the Passion Translation so you don't have it. And we, we're going to kick this off and then I'll give you the name of uh, the title. And, uh, and we'll get into this because the title is long. The, the title feels like you stuttered. But um, you'll get it. If you're taking notes, I'll break it down for you. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says this, brothers and sisters, so you're in the right house. I see you out there, and I would be proud to call each and every one of you a brother and a sister. Sometimes we fight, sometimes we pick each other up, but you know what? As long as we stay family, we good. Don't be leaving the family. Anyway, um, there we go. Consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Anybody want to do that? Consider who you were when Christ called you to salvation? Okay. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards. Anybody? Anybody was already a wise scholar by human standards when they, when they received Christ? Oh, man. We're, we're, this must be talking to us. Nor were many of you in positions of power. How many of you were in positions of power? You may have been. Some people are. Okay, just checking, just checking. We're just going here. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. Anybody elitists here? Were any of you guys the elite? Just, I'm just trying to get a, a feeling. Okay, we'll continue. Um, but God, this is verse 27, but God chose those whom the world considers foolish. Now we're getting some hands in the house. There we go. Okay, okay, just checking. To shame those who think they were wise. Okay. Those who think they are, or wait, and God chose the puny and the powerless. Anybody, anybody qualifying now from where they came from? <laughs> That's kind of funny. Sorry about that. Yeah, totally humorous in the back of my head, but you guys will pick it up later. Um, God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and mighty. That word shame right there, oh, I love this, love this, means to uh, embarrass the high and mighty, to confuse them, to baffle them, or to frustrate them. What were you chosen for? Them are all um, places you usually don't like to be, by the way. Does anybody know that? Anybody loves into good, embarrassed, confused, frustrated, um, baffled, or frustrated place, right? So this is what you're doing to the people around you if you're following Christ. Oh, well, we're just going to keep going here. I'm sorry, got deep there for just a second. We'll just keep going. Okay. He chose the lowly and the laughable. Oh. You want to know what laughable is? This is what he chose. If you guys weren't the high, the elite, and those things, then you got to be this list. I mean, we're going to go through humanity here. So this is what some people may have been despised. Disgusted. Outcast. 
perceived with contempt. Anybody qualify? He saved us. He saved us. The nobodies. So that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent. So that there would be no place for proudful boasting in God's presence, for it is not from man that we draw our life, but from God as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And now he is our God-given wisdom, our virtue, our holiness, and our redemption. And this fulfills what is written. If anyone boasts, let him only boast in all that the Lord has has done. And you would say, amen, right? Okay, we'll open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to each and every one of us intimately and personally. You speak our language. Father, we thank you that your Spirit is right now, here, present, right now, teaching, releasing the anointing that lies within the pages of the Word of God. That Jesus Christ will speak into our lives and change us right now as we sit here. And Father, that not only as we sit here, but we walk out changed because we came in contact with our Savior. We came in contact with our Master. We have spent time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and authority has rolled off on us. And we have walked with our head up high and we don't sit in disgusted places of an outcast anymore. We thank you that you are here with us and that you're speaking to us, teaching us. Lord, open our eyes, bring insight and revelation that, Lord, not only for us, we're not just here for ourselves. We want to be ministers. We want to be dispensers. We want to wait on the world around us and give to them the life-giving streams that have been flowing from heaven that filled our bosoms. We thank you, Father that you're speaking to us, teaching us, and preparing us to go somewhere. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the title. I don't even know if they tidied it up. Uh, yeah, if they, if they did, it'd take up like that whole... Okay, so you ready for this? Pastor Sean asked me what the title was. I had to go look it up again because, just to make sure I got it right because it's that long. So are you guys ready? Here it is. The title is, this will make it easy, The Pinnacle of Past. Pinnacle, past. Meeting purpose. Mm. Produces the prevailing power of predestination. Yeah, right? So now do you see why I had to go back and look at my notes when I was like, well, oh, I can't mess that up. So here it is. The pinnacle of past meeting purpose produces the prevailing power of predestination. So there it is. Glory to God. Glory to God. Key verse. Key verse. This is going to actually work good. I don't, the Lord gave this to me a long time ago, just ministered it one time in a, in a moment, and bam, and now I get to preach. So... Um, Key verse is going to be 1 Corinthians 15, verse 
36. And now I will switch to, we'll go elsewhere now. 1 Corinthians, so we're going to turn there. We'll get started on this. And we will start to see what the Lord, man, it was so good. I still remember it. I don't know how long ago it was. Um, but he, 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 he showed this to me, and he did it like he's supposed to. Which means he gave me two or more witnesses. And he laid it out in actually in a three. And didn't he, he didn't just give me threes, though, but what he was really good is that he gave me like, uh, yeah, that's what I thought, one, two, four of three. So I got 12. Anyway, we'll get there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 36 says this. Foolish one! Still calling it people. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Right? The only thing I know that tries to sprout without being buried is a potato. But um, it ain't going to grow nowhere. But it, anybody know of anything? Anyway, it doesn't matter what you know. Um, we're just going to deal with here. Okay, here we go. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. Anybody sowed an apple tree? Anybody went out and buried a corn stalk? Whole watermelon plant? You don't sow what it's going to be. Okay. And what you, okay, verse 37, and what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain, He's leaving it for you to pick. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. Let's skip down to verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. Anybody getting there? It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. What dwells on the inside of you? Let's not get to the punchline. Come on, slow down. We've got to go a whole sermon to preach. We don't want to get too wound up, right? I mean, why would we get wound up about the Word of God? Because it's life. If I don't get wound up about this, I have no joy for tomorrow. No joy tomorrow means no strength for tomorrow. No strength for tomorrow means I'm going to be in a weak place. The devil loves it when I'm in a weak place, so then I find myself in bondage and, and tempted and tried. And Why don't I just get strong? Let's find something to get happy about. Okay, here we go. Like I said, we're not going to go through all these, but we're going to go through at least one tonight. We're going to do David. David. We're going to pick David. So the first thing that you're going to do is you can write in those notes his past. Everybody has a past. Every one of us has a past. We've all been somewhere and did something before this time right now. So no matter who you are. In his past, what was David? Take him all the way back. Shepherd boy. 1 Samuel 16.11. We'll, we'll, we'll check in here. 1 Samuel 16. 
11. Says this, this is when Samuel's there, it says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Oh, better back up one verse. Two verse, one verse, two verse. When did they send him out to the shepherd? Oh, 11. I was down all the way on 13, that's why. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. Anybody the youngest? There's hope for you yet. Anyway, um, just, just, just giving you scripture. Stand on it. Take it. Were you the youngest? No? Oh, wait. No, sorry. That's rude. Anyway. <laughs> and, and there he is, keeping the sheep. That's where he was at. He was out keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes. And then in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 28, this is when his, his uh, father had sent David out to the battle. His, his brothers, his three oldest brothers are out there, and he sends him out with some cheese, you know, to kind of, you know, work some, work some good with the uh, captain of the guard. Like, hey, yeah, remember my brothers are out there, and here's some cheese. Anyway, he took goat milk and cheese. Anyway, you can just read the scripture yourself. Uh, 17 verse 28 says, now, now Eliab, or Eliab, whatever his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You're just a mere shepherd boy. Anybody else a mere anything? Okay, just checking. But then we know in 1 Samuel 17, I mean, you go look at the title. My headline says, "Woo, David and Goliath. We've heard about this, right? And everybody heard the story about David and Goliath. So this here, past, his past was shepherd boy. This is a pinnacle moment. You guys know that? This is a pinnacle moment for David right here. Why is this a pinnacle moment? I love one of the things that, I mean, I remember when the Lord showed it to me, and I was like, what? See, back when David was anointed, there in 16, which verse 13, which is when Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Oh, you mean his bros know about this? Mm. I know how Jesus' brothers treated him. Mm. Anyway, I know how Joseph's brothers treated him. Mm. Never mind. That's the next three examples, but whatever. We won't go there, right? Okay. In the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Oh. You ever been rubbed or smeared on? That's called anointed by God. He will be upon you from that day forward. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when are you without after you became with? Never. How much arrogance does it take to say I feel alone? Oh, moo. There we go. No, um, the spirit came upon David from that day forward, so Samuel arose and went to Ramah. That was his house, if you ever cared. No, Samuel lived in Ramah, uh, or Ramah. Depends how you want to pronounce it. Um, so we find, though, that here in 1 Samuel 17, this is where we're at with Goliath, there, there. There's this moment that's happening here, and I'm not going to read about all that transpires because we know about this pinnacle moment. He comes up, he's getting tested. We re regarded him by, he's being regarded by his past, by his brother. And then we see, though, that, um, so he, he, why his brother was getting mad at him is because he asked the smart question. What's, what's in it for me? 
I, I hear that big old blabbermouth over there running his lips, but uh, what are they going to do for the person that deals with big blabbermouth? You know, problem solvers get rewards, right? Did anybody know that? Problem solvers will get rewards. So if you, if you want to solve a problem, people will look to you, and they'll probably reward you. I bet how many people rewarded their mechanic because you couldn't fix it? How many people reward the TV, satellite, uh, uh, geek squad, whatever? Anybody ever re rewarded these people? Why? Because you have problem and they had solutions. And so, anyway, so we see here that there's a problem because this guy's been coming out, and if I remember right, it was like for 40 days. But that doesn't even matter. But I know that he did. He, he kept coming out there uh, and taunting them and taunting them and taunting them, Goliath had, over and over and over. And so verse 25 actually says this. So the men of Israel said, have you, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him. This is, uh, if you heard, go up to 23, the last part of it says, so David heard them. And so, so the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. Reward. We'll give him his daughter. Could be a reward. Actually, Michael was a reward. It says that she was very beautiful. Um, <coughs> just so you know, her name was Michael. She was very beautiful. She never had children. Um, <coughs> side note, just so you guys know. You should read the rest of the story. The Bible's awesome. Why would anybody watch the days of our lives when you got this? Uh, as my world turns, but I get joy. And I mean, strength. Glory to God. Uh, so, all right. Okay, Falcon Crest in Dallas for the old people. Um, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so they'll give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Anybody not want to pay tax for the rest of their life? Come on, this is all good, right? So David had asked, what is to be for the man who takes care of this Philistine? And they tell him this. And then his brother's like, why, why don't you go mess with the sheep? I mean, I know somebody prayed. But so here, here's what we're going to get. What, that, that reward, Saul's daughter, does that put him in the kingdom? I thought princes and princesses usually go together. Oh. Crud, he could probably be, take over the throne someday. Oh, Legally. Because he's a prince in the house of Saul. You think God saw that coming? Okay, just checking here, okay? So, so, so we got, that's awesome, right? Glory to God. And David, we find that, you know, what they end up doing, they run through this whole rigmarole here where they tried to take, I got to get him, um, <laughs> Saul calls him over and says, uh, tries to on his armor, tells him to do it, and then and and he says, I can't do it because it's not tested. David said his armor wasn't tested; it didn't fit him. Now, do you remember how Saul's stature was? He was what, boom, boom, head and shoulders over the rest, and then you get ruddy teenager, dragging his sword in the back. You know what I mean? I got it. I'm gonna go to battle. Saul, this is a great plan. You got the shield. It's not tested. I can't do this. Right? Okay. So we got that. Just, just getting us in here. 
<laughs> glory, 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 glory. Okay, it's not tested. But David said to Saul, well, let's go back up, verse 33. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep, used to keep, I thought Eliab just told him to go back to keep, but whatever, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it. Anybody chasing down problems? Just checking. I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, took the lamb, turned around. You know, he's going back with the lamb. Now it arises against him. Ooh, put down lamb, turn around, catch a beard, rip. Anyway, um, look at this. You just got to do it. Okay. And, and, and I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, this non-covenant with God, ungodly, heathen, that is challenging the armies of the living God, will be as one of them. So, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. So what we see here, though, is we've got a pinnacle moment. And what people don't always see or realize here is that David just got set up for the kingdom. Do you think he saw it coming when he took the cheese and the goat's milk and went down to see brothers in the battle? He did not know that this moment was upon him. Anybody know what the reward for passing a test is? The next test. After the lion comes the bear. How did you get out of school for 12 grades without passing one test after another test after another test after another test? However many periods a day, how many weeks out of the year, how many months out of the thing, how many years out of your life, how many tests did you take in that time? And then you graduated and you think that you know it all because you're 18. Come on, they're not in here. We can talk about them. No, I'm just joking. No, <laughs> but uh, you figured out again at 24? No, I'm just uh, somewhere in there. No, 30? I don't know. I don't know when it happens again. But uh, anyway, after you pass a test, you get the next test. Know this, though. The difference between God and Satan. Satan tests you for your destruction, to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy from you. But God passes you for promotion, to bless you, to encourage you, to enrich you. Find your test. Answer or solve the problem. You will be promoted. So, we see here that there's a pinnacle moment for David. And then we have to look, though, very carefully here at 1 Samuel 17, because here's your next little moment in your notes. After you have your past and you have your pinnacle moment of Goliath, you have what is now here, what produced the power to prevail? 
And we've seen it. We just read it. 1 Samuel 17, verse 36 says this, Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And he had enough confidence that Saul said to him, Go! And the Lord be with you, because the Lord did it the first time, right? You go do it alone. No. Go, and the Lord be with you. So we have what produced prevailing power? Faith in God. It's simple. He believed that which was spoken to him, taught him, and he took it. And so then we see here, we got to look back at 1 Samuel, because now we see that there's faith in God. This is how he overcomes this monument, this moment in his life. And I'm going to look back at 1 Samuel 16, verse 12, because we got to see one, what, what was the setup here? I said it was a prevailing Power, I'm going to remember how I wrote this. The prevailing power of predestination, right? What? Predestination. Hard word for a lot of people. Hard word for a lot of people. I'm just telling the truth. 1 Samuel 16, 12 and 13 says this. So he went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. He was anointed as a child to be the king. He was giving the legal right the day with Goliath. He did not take the kingdom the day with Goliath. We still have to have demons manifesting on Saul and spears being thrown. We still have to run and hide and touch not God's anointed. We still have to find ourselves in caves and, 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 and withholding our guys from vindicating us. Because you have a right here. You know you've been anointed. We know, no, no, and you got people pulling them. You got to hold back your homeboys or whatever. You know, we're going to go jump them for you. Whatever it is, I don't know. But David had to go through these things. We're not even there yet. The kingdom was given to him legally this day. When he pulled out that sling and slung that stone, it landed. And so, the shorter title, intro, I'm just joking. We're almost done. No, but uh, the shorter title would have been released from the resurrection sling. Because you've been gathered up by Christ. You were buried with him in his death. You were raised with him to sit at the Father's own right hand. And when you do that and go through that, you will find yourself getting loaded into a sling and thrown at a problem that is much larger than you. 
much more well-trained than you. Something that doesn't have, you don't have the right past for it. You weren't called to this. But if you've walked through some things with the Lord, you'll have found that there was a lion. Anybody walk through some things of lions of like finance in their life? Bears of finance of their life? Goliaths of finance in their life? Them got bigger. I thought they were going to get easier. You know what happened after Goliath? The balcony of boredom, as Neil Kennedy called it. In the time, in the season, when kings went to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. So, this strikes home hard with me on many two different notes, but uh, see, when you attain to leadership, you can start to do things that you want to do because you've earned it. You can relax on things and send others to do your beckoning call that you were supposed to be not giving up. You can find yourself making it easy on yourself, you know, when in the time of war, in the season when kings went to war, David remained. That ending isn't the same as Goliath. That ending resulted in the death of at least four children. You had the original child that died. And then you have the whole Absalom and Absalom, uh, or Ammon thing. And then Absalom kills his brother. And you start seeing that things start happening within, and then Absalom ends up dying. Uh, <sighs> consequences of sin is always death. <laughs> I'm reminded of a conversation that we had at work just the other day. If ain't of God, then why did we flirt with it? There's nothing wrong with it. I don't see that that's ungodly. But is it godly? So why don't we start asking that question? Come on, that's a very, I mean, that's, that's like the deepest thought right there. Is it godly? Let's, let's stop asking, is it ungodly? Why are we trying to get away from him? Why don't we come from the heart motivation that we ask, is this of God? Is this godly? I thought if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So why aren't we pursuing, constantly, aggressively pursuing the close proximity of God? Why do we find ourselves looking at flashing lights and things off to the side? It's not wrong. It's not wrong. And then you step right off the stage, you know, right? You don't even know it. There was a predestined plan for David to get to the throne. He was anointed for it. 
So we see that his past of being a shepherd boy, his pinnacle moment of, of, with Goliath, and the produced power of faith in God pushed him over that and attained a predestined plan for his life. So, we are not going to be able to do Joseph or Jesus. I'm just going to tell you that. They're wonderful, if you guys care to know. But I am going to go to this. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to go back over here. 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to read verse 43 in a couple translations. And we're going to look at how this wraps up here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 43. It is sown, this is the seed, in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. The Passion Translation says the body is sown in decay, but will be raised in immortality. It is sown in humiliation, but will be raised in glorification. The Amplified says it is sown in dishonor and humiliation. It is raised in honor and glory. It is sown in infirmity and weakness, and it is resurrected in strength and endued with power. To give up the natural body, which is just a body that's animated by the soul, leading by the soul, that's our natural body, um, to release the expression of a spiritual body, which would be the super animation of the Holy Spirit. Just think that you, you have been now animated by the Holy Spirit of God. He indwelt me, he indwelt you. To sow the flesh unto, uh, unto destruction in order to have the spiritual man raised. This should be our goal. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. I already read this to you, but now I'm going to read it to you out of the uh, uh, New King James. For consider your calling, brethren. Were you called of God? You have a calling. You have a calling. Consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. He's released and placed within you all the power to nullify. The power, you've been despised, you've been rejected. What was Jesus? <coughs> he was despised and rejected of men. You actually found yourself in a good place. So that no man may boast before God, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. <clears throat> we allow, <clears throat> excuse me, the humility of Christ to be revealed. I like how Andrew Murray put this on the subject of humility. He stated it this way. It is the displacement of self, 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 Self. No T-H there, no. It's 
I had a problem, just, just so you know. <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. It is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. Where God is all, self is nothing. So we have a call to the throne. What we didn't do, Joseph, Jesus, David were all called to the throne. Revelation 1, 5 through 6 says this, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, resurrected, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You are a king and a priest, appointed, called by God, You're anointed to do this. So, as health expels disease, you got that? Light swallows up darkness, and life conquers death. The indwelling Christ through the Spirit is the health, the light, and the life for your soul. Let him in. We must get past our past moments. Remember the word of the Lord. Release the faith to see the situation change. We're just aligning ourselves with the proclamation of the Lord of Lords, right? The ultimate, all-time, reigning, king of the ring. You know what I mean? Anybody really listen to old Carmen, the champion? Anyway, um, I know he kind of played the Rocky theme in the back there, but whatever. And step, though, if you will allow to release the faith and step into your predicted end. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans for a future and a hope. So you feel like you got kicked in the teeth. Maybe you felt like the curb kicked you in the teeth. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, I'll get back on that. Uh, You get kicked. The Lord, I've been here so many times, and at the same time, it's never been pleasant. I've never enjoyed it. When you find yourself fighting with your spouse, your kids seem at odds, your finances are now degraded, your, your workplace is in an uproar, things are all being taken from you, and nothing looks like it's supposed to. What do I do? It's a pinnacle moment. It used to be one bill, then it became all your bills. It used to be a headache, now it became your whole body. 
It used to be, you know, a, a, a child that you didn't know what he was gonna, what you were gonna do with them when they were young, but now maybe they're walking completely away. These moments have arisen in your life. Are you going to take the word of God and allow it to rule supreme and create a predestined end for you? Or are you going to sit down in your defeat because a quitter never finishes? That's how the girls do it. Anyway, I don't know what else to say. Pull up your pants, buckaroo. I don't know what else to do. Sorry. I'm good. We're going back. <clears throat> I'm going to go back. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, take your seat on the throne of your life. And you know what you do in a throne? You know what Jesus is doing right now? Resting. Waiting time is not wasted time. They that wait upon the Lord will right? Renew their strength. They shall rise up with a wing, right? No, no, anyone remember that one? Got that one? <laughs> rise up with wings as eagle. No, anyway, sorry. They shall run and no, 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 no. They just keep it going. They just keep it going like those little cartoons, you know, they just keep speeding Gonzalez. Anle, anle, iba, iba, iba. Yeah. We know we're going. There just ain't no stopping. There ain't no stopping. They that wait. Come on. They that wait. Upon the Lord. Mm. Oh, yeah, right there, huh? They that wait. What do you need? What do you need? You should have been born into the only hell you'll ever know. So let's take somebody out. We should act like this is not our home. That we've come from another place. We don't walk like them, talk like them, smell like them, act like them. We're a living, breathing representation of Jesus Christ. We crawl up in a bow of a boat when the storm's there and we take a nap. Because the word of the Lord was spoken that we're going to the other side. We don't get frustrated. We don't get shook. We rest in the power of the Most High. We didn't do the work, and we don't have to do the work. All we have to do is stand up and say, you know what? It's not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit, saith the Lord God of hosts, and I will have my destiny. I will have my 
predestined end. I will move into the things that the Lord has called me to do, and I will not be held into the hell that I now reside. I will come out of here. I will not smell a smoke, but these bonds that bind me right now can burn off and disintegrate and be left in this hell. just a moment a pinnacle moment and we'll have another there'll be another test and we're going to do it again and we're going to get stronger and we're going to encourage others and we're going to continue and we will continue with a momentum and a force to go forward and pursue and do all that the Lord has called us to do because he's wrote things on our lives and if we will side up with God, he will see them to be performed. The work has already been completed by Jesus. Allow the flesh to pass through its burial and the spiritual resurrection to take place. Manifest the kingdom of heaven. You have been released from a sling of resurrection. Fly as the ultimate father God would have launched you because you're his child and the arrows are supposed to be shot. You have a purposed destination. You've been released by the best archer that has ever been around. I don't care who Hawkeye is, you know. You have a destiny. That's why in the old original way, which it drove me nuts for years, sin is to miss the mark. But you know what? Sin is to miss the mark. He launched you. He sent you after something. Will you hit it? I remind you again of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 38. But God gives it, the seed, a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. You've received a body from Christ. You have a destination that he sent you to. You will grow. You do not look like your finished end. We do not put the apple tree in the ground. We put an apple seed in the ground. You, what you came in and how you are is not what you will be when you are done. You are being grown. You have the master gardener pruning you, taking you through. You are growing stronger as things are being pruned off your life, as you're being cultivated for strength, for wind, for, for famine, for these things. You are getting stronger day by day by day by day. Every fire, every Every affliction is something to be rejoiced in because I know that after this affliction, the next one will be even stronger, but I will be even stronger because the Lord has not tempted me beyond which I can endure, but it will only endure for but for a night. And we'll walk, we'll walk, we'll walk into what the Lord has called us to do. And so, we go after, i got to remember my title now, I closed it. Oh, it's still up. The pinnacle of past, meeting purpose, produces the prevailing power 
of predestination. You were planned for this. You know what? The greatest gift is when God sits there and goes, well done, or you followed my plan. Well done. You did what I said. Well done. My good and faithful servant. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.